You've landed on the Lonely Diplomat podcast and wherever you are in the world from St. George's, St. John's, San Jose, San Marino, San Salvador, Sana, Santiago, Santo Domingo, San Tome, Sarajevo, Seoul, Singapore, Skopje, Sofia, Stockholm and Suva and all places in between. Welcome. I'm Phil McAuliffe and I'm the Lonely Diplomat. I have a website, thelonelydiplomat.com, through which I work to help reconnect diplomats and those living the diplomatic life to themselves and to the world around them. And if you've spent any time on my website, you'll see that I have a blog, this podcast, and details of my services, which include my mentoring services, coaching services provided by my friend Kevin Hunting, and therapy services provided by my friend and someone well-known to listeners and readers of The Lonely Diplomat, Jacqueline Bendorf. You'll also find the details of my book, The Lonely Diplomat, Reconnecting with Ourselves and with the World Around Us, which is available in ebook and paperback form on Amazon.com. Connection is the antidote to loneliness, so why not subscribe and stay connected to me and my work? There's a link in the description to this episode. This is the 26th episode of the Lonely Diplomat podcast, and I'm going to answer the question that I get so often from you, my awesome global audience. And the question is, who gets lonelier, the diplomat or the accompanying significant other. Many of you will know, but just in case you, my awesome listener, don't know, I have lived the diplomatic life, lived my diplomatic life for about 20 years now. And over that time, I've been the posted diplomat twice, and I've been the accompanying significant other twice as well. And and while being at a an accompanying significant other once was with children and once was without. I truly believe that that experience of mine over the past 20 years gives me a unique insight into what it means to live the diplomatic life. Me sharing insights from me living my diplomatic life connects with you and resonates with you in your situation as you live your diplomatic life. And I find that intensely powerful. It's it's such a privilege and an honor to connect with you in this way. It's a privilege and an honor to have you here listening to my words and my insight. And my words and my insight, my lived experience and sharing that with you in, I'm going to say it, 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 sometimes it's really hard work to share it with you because, you know, not everyone has earned the right to hear my story, but, you know, I, I share myself so you know that you're not alone as you lead your diplomatic life because as diplomats and those living the diplomatic life, we frankly aren't good well really we suck if i'm going to be frank if i'm going to say well frankly i can be frank we suck at expressing the negatives of this diplomatic life we 
share and we we well we share with each other and with our friends and families the highlights of the diplomatic life but when it comes to the flip side of the diplomatic life the 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 not so shiny side of the coin of which there inevitably is and we all experience it well we don't we don't talk about it all that well do we but that's okay that's why i'm here i'm here to create that safe space to let you know that you're not alone and to facilitate those conversations how bureaucratic does that sound so you can have these conversations with people who are also living the diplomatic life where you are. This episode comes after I published The Lonely Diplomat Who Gets Lonelier, The Diplomat or Spouse, on Saturday the 11th of July. And in that post, I went through the case for how a diplomat can feel lonely or if we don't want to use the l word disconnected from themselves and the world around them and really quickly there were three main reasons one was that work diplomacy itself dominates our lives when we are posted overseas and we work in a diplomatic mission work is while we're there Work is the very reason that we are sent there and work demands its pound of flesh and while it demands its pounds of flesh, many of us give it, and I'm mixing my measurements here, give give it a kilo back of ourselves. So um, I think a pound is about half a kilo and we give double what is needed because of the workplace culture that can rule many of our workplaces where because it's phenomenally competitive and we must show that we are resilient both physically resilient and importantly psychologically resilient enough to do this job that we constantly want to do more than what is expected of us we want to go above and beyond because Everyone else who is phenomenally well-educated, smart, savvy, um, experienced is also competing for those promotions, for those job opportunities, for those postings uh, and and for those abilities to, to showcase their own awesomeness to their colleagues and, and their bosses. And that also constitutes the third reason. It's our own desire to get ahead, to make a difference in the world that helps us, that propels us, I should say, rather than helps us, that propels us to do more. And when all of this kind of mixes together, we have an almost perfect recipe for disconnection with ourselves which is a key source of loneliness. And how I measure that is to invite you to think, if you're a diplomat, if you're a posted diplomat, to think back to who you were, what what were your dreams and ambitions when you first entered headquarters on that first day. And where there's a gap between who you were and a head full of ideals, 
and who you are now or who you feel you are now, that, that gap is disconnection from yourself. And I'm going to say all of us feel that because the job requires us to conform. The job requires us to chip away at who we are and look around you. For instance, and this is a very good example, what do people wear? Does the person who wears a different colour suit, a, a unique shirt and tie combination, do they stand out against what could be described to be the corporate uniform? We so often can just chip away, and this is a basis for a lot of my work for diplomats, we can so chip away at who we are in an effort to fit in that we can come to the realization at some point in our careers, generally around our mid-careers, that we've gone, who the hell are we? Who am I? Who am I now? Like, you know, where did this person come from? And, and why do I feel so inauthentic within myself? What's going on here? And then when it comes to the accompanying significant other, that blog post also went through four reasons why an accompanying significant other can feel lonely. And that includes that the diplomat's work completely dominates. It dominates the household. And when we realize that so much of our life is, so much power in our life is handed over to someone within the bureaucracy of our, of our diplomat's employer, like schools, like accommodation, like where we can and cannot go in a city, all generally for very good reasons and done with a lot of care. But over time, the lack of choice and the feeling of control that someone somewhere in the bureaucracy has over us and our lives as non-diplomatic diplomats, that can, well, that can be really frustrating. And when work dominates, when there's a crisis, when there is a visit, where there is a big meeting coming up, we can go such a long time between seeing our diplomat and when we do see them they're tired they're exhausted they come home they collapse in bed we feed them we dress them up and send them on out of the house once more into into the world and this can happen for weeks at a time when there's a crisis when there's a big meeting when there's a visit coming up and there's always a crisis there's always a big meeting and there's always a visit coming up isn't there there's always something going on that just leaves the person that we love exhausted and we see them as a shell of themselves and, and unable to give the best of themselves to us in many instances. And look, this is the life. This is a known known um, before we sign up. But the thing with known knowns is that you never actually really know them until you've experienced them. And when you experience them time and time and time again for years at a time, it can leave us asking the question, who's more important, the job or the family, the job or the relationship? It's really tough. And the job is that constant third party in the relationship. It's always there. 
always there. And for some of us, that can be a continuing struggle to accept throughout a relationship. Then, as an accompanying significant other, you can be invisible. We can be invisible. And I wonder if we're doing ourselves a disservice here, listeners who are the accompanying significant other. When we introduce ourselves as the dependent of the diplomat, when we introduce ourselves as the spouse or the significant other of the person at the diplomatic mission of the diplomat and their job, where they do it. And this is something that I get frequently from accompanying significant others is that invisibility. They cease to be themselves. They cease to have their career in many instances, which is another key reason for people to feel disconnected. People feel disconnected from their sense of purpose. But we can feel disconnected from our own identities. We can have our identities as a free-thinking generally generally educated person taken away from us and we are to our diplomats employer and to the world just the accompanying significant other of the diplomat and that's where our worth where we can perceive that our worth comes from all of these can coalesce in that feeling of disconnection with ourselves and and build resentment within us about this diplomatic life. So having gone through both the case for why a diplomat can feel lonely and the case for why an accompanying significant other can feel lonely, who's the winner? Who gets to be crowned the loneliest out of the diplomat and the accompanying significant other? Who is it? If I could do a drum roll, let's do it. The winner is no one. No one, listener. No one is the winner when this is the question that is asked. And if you are listening to this and you've also read the blog, you you know that, uh, that that was the answer that I was going to give. But I want to believe that when this question is asked... It is asked out of genuine care and concern that the people who are most deserving of loneliness-related care and attention are given those services, be that the diplomat or the accompanying significant other. But the question completely misses the point. It completely misses the point. And... It sends a dangerous message. The message is that some loneliness is better than others. Some loneliness is worse than others. Some loneliness is more preferred than others. Loneliness is just loneliness. Loneliness does not discriminate. And loneliness, critically, is an emotion that all humans experience from time to time all humans irrespective of our personal circumstances irrespective of the house that we live in the the size of the seat 
that we sit in when we fly overseas, we, irrespective, irrespective of all of that, loneliness does not discriminate. You simply have to be human to be, experience loneliness. And all, all, all humans, including you, listener, experience loneliness from time to time. And some of us experience it more often or for longer than others. But we all experience it. We get to the thoughts and feelings of loneliness in our own ways and in multiple ways over our life. It could be we can feel lonely as a result of feeling grief and bereavement at the death or absence of a loved one. We can feel lonely in the aftermath of a divorce or a breakup. We can feel lonely because we don't have any other humans around us. No other company. We can actually feel, we can actually be alone. We can experience loneliness moving away from home, moving away from friends and family. And we can experience loneliness when we are disconnected with ourselves and those most important to us and to our communities, disconnected for whatever reason. So loneliness is a destination that we all, as humans, spend some time in. So when it comes to loneliness, because it's such a difficult emotion to describe, but we all know the thoughts and feelings that come with loneliness and how awful they make us feel and how repellent they are, that we we just want to avoid them. But for me, it's helpful to look at another emotion that is a lot more savory, a lot a lot more socially acceptable, if I if I could say it that way, to discuss. And that's something like joy. And I want to say, you know, three give three examples of something that we can commonly associate with with the feeling of pure unbridled joy and something along the lines of you know when when someone tells us that they love us and that we love them that's pretty joyous isn't it a wedding day exchanging vows and the um the reception after it the celebration after it that's joyous seeing someone you love a child for the first time be that your child or a niece or a nephew that's a joyous occasion which out of that is the most joyous which out of that is the one worthy of saying well actually that's the definition of joy we don't we don't say that so we don't do comparative joy so why are we doing comparative loneliness And the fear that I have, listener, and I want this to be the critical point that you take away from this episode, the critical point is that that question, as well-meaning as it may be, the question has the consequence of silencing and denying the emotion and the experience of that emotion in other people. Because... We can say, because I can say to myself as, hi, I'm the lonely diplomat. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of my thing, loneliness. And, and even now, when I get feedback 
And I do get feedback saying that, how dare you write on this? Because life has been so great to you. You've had a wonderful relationship. You've got children. You've like experiencing the world. How dare you say that you're lonely? What immediately I say to myself, even though I'm here, even though I'm the lonely diplomat, is that what I say to myself is that someone else has it worse than me. Who am I to share my thoughts and feelings with other people like this? Who am I to express it like this? Someone else has it worse than me. I should just shut up and I'll get over it. That, that still happens within me. And I'm going to say that it happens to you too. You deny yourself the chance to get help. You deny yourself the chance that you deserve at getting the connection you need as the antidote to loneliness because you're telling yourself, just like I tell myself still regularly, that someone else somewhere in the world is more deserving than me. And you're saying to yourself that someone is more deserving than you. Someone has it worse than you. Yes, yes, someone always has it worse than you. But almost, almost irrelevant when it comes to feeling those feelings and allowing ourselves to feel the feelings and to think those uncomfortable thoughts and work our way through them because they're trying to tell us something. The feelings of loneliness, the thoughts that come with loneliness are horrible. They are horrible and there is a really good reason, listener, while we deny them and while we want to work around them, while we want to, well, numb them, while we want to double down on work, on eating, on drug use, on alcohol consumption, on exercise, on gambling, on sex, whatever it is that you're using to numb yourself right now, you need to process those thoughts feel those feelings because they're trying to tell you something. And when it comes to loneliness, the feelings of loneliness are a, an indicator, are the clearest indicator that we have that we must get connected. We must reconnect with ourselves and to the world around us. That's all loneliness is. And if you feel lonely, then you are lonely. I simply do not care on how you arrived at loneliness that you're here is enough. And one of the things that stops us, listener, from seeking the help that we would readily recommend others to go and get if they were, experience, uh, were experiencing the thoughts and feelings that you are right now, comes down to feelings of poor, a poor sense of self-worth within ourselves that somehow we are not worthy of help. We are not worthy of attention because someone somewhere is worthy of that help and worthy of that attention. And I'm putting my hand up, listener. That's a really slippery slope to go down. It's really hard to throw out the anchor 
and to arrest that slide. Because what that really says, listener, when, when you say that to yourself, when I say that to myself and when I hear it, what's that, what that is saying is, I'm not worthy of connection. I'm not worthy of belonging. I'm not worthy of being loved. Someone else is more worthy of being loved, of feeling that they belong. Someone else is more worthy of being connected. Here's the thing. We are all worthy. We are all worthy. Each and every human is worthy of that connection, of that love, and that belonging, that you're a diplomat, that you are an accompanying significant other is completely, it's, it's the sideshow, it's the distraction. As a human, you, listener, are deserving, you are worthy. And the cruelty of a lonely mind, the cruelty of a lonely heart, breeds a feast a feast or famine mentality it's absolutely it absolutely operates in scarcity that is, there is only a certain amount of love to go around there's only a certain amount of credit to go around there's only a certain amount of praise or recognition or indeed help and the lonely mind the lonely soul is is extremely good at cutting ties with other people other structures that are designed to help us because we don't allow ourselves we don't let ourselves believe that we are worthy enough so speaking as someone who has been lonely while living the diplomatic life and indeed as a human still experiences loneliness from time to time what do we do instead you need to speak up I need to speak up we need to speak up we need to respond with empathy not engage in competitive stories not engage in competitive loneliness about the topic of loneliness as we lead our diplomatic lives however we lead it. And listener, I'm firmly of the belief, firmly of the belief that the diplomatic life is so unique. The characteristics of it are so unique that only those who have lived or those who are living the diplomatic life truly understand it beyond the academic. So we are our greatest source of support. We need to change the conversation at every opportunity to create the safe space to let people know because we, we suffer loneliness behind masks and it can be the person who is the most jolly in the room who is hurting the most from feelings of disconnection. We need to create the space. We need to have the conversation about loneliness and connection and the importance of moving beyond diplomatic platitudes, moving beyond the safe conversations and create spaces appropriately to help 
and support each other. I'm here to help. Kevin Hunting is here to help. Jacqueline Bendorf is here to help. And we are all ready to help you, challenge you, and inspire you to reconnect with yourself and to the world around you. Listener, be you a diplomat or an accompanying significant other, I see you. Can you allow yourself to be seen too? If you have any feedback on this or any other episode, please send an email to admin at thelonelydiplomat.com. If you like the episode, please give it a high rating on the service through which you're listening now. And if you did like it, please share it with someone who you feel will really benefit from listening to it. If you feel that I can improve the quality, the content, or anything about my podcast, please tell me by sending me an email. I serve the global diplomatic community, and my work is all designed to help diplomats and those living the diplomatic life to reconnect with themselves and the world around them. As part of this service, my blogs and podcasts are provided to you at no charge. If you got some value from this episode, please show me some love and consider providing some financial support via a one-off or monthly contribution through PayPal. For details, go to thelonelydiplomat.com forward slash support. It does sound like you're getting ready to go, so until next time, be awesomely and humanly you, including letting yourself feel those feelings and think those thoughts that come with loneliness, listener. Be awesomely and humanly you, because the world needs more you. All sounds used are freeware in the public domain. All views expressed in this episode are my own and do not reflect any official position. I am not a licensed mental health professional. I encourage you to seek the services of a licensed mental health professional if the content of this episode challenged you beyond your current capacity to mentally, emotionally, and or physically respond yourself. Thanks for listening.